Welcome to another episode of We Only Pod When We're Winning. Tonight you've got Paul and John. We're going to be talking a little bit of EPL. We're going to be talking Matilda's jerseys. And we might even talk a little bit about Romario. This is We Only Pod When We're Winning. When the seagulls follow the trawler, it's because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea. Well, another podcast, and it's uh, John in the house, and he's probably not as happy as me after the weekend's results. No, um, Newcastle were rubbish, but uh, fair play to Brighton; they deserved their three points, so they totally trounced us. Yeah, we'll come. We'll come back to that. Uh, not to gloat or anything, we'll actually cover the EPL in a moment. But uh, John, in these COVID times, um, I've been doing a lot more reading. It's been one positive out of it, and my latest book is a book called uh, "Sex, Drugs, and Soccer" mm-hmm. by a guy called uh, Martin Bucks, and it's actually been amazing. And the first player that uh, I'm reading about is a player simply known as Romario. So we'll cover a little bit of his football, but uh, just a quick excerpt from this book, and it's talking about his wife at this stage. And, and it says, her husband had been going astray ever since his time at PSV, and she knows. Romario's authorised biography, From Gutter to God, provides a candid account of his extramarital activities. But this was the last straw for Monica, and she was denied access to his floor in his room in the player's hotel. So when a security guard stood firm on denying her access... She uh, became blinded by jealousy, set off the smoke alarm with a cigarette lighter. When the alarm bells went off in the hotel, she spots her husband sprinting to the emergency exit along with her most with his most recent conquest. And uh, that's just part of the story of Romario. Um, called himself a playboy. Apparently had a thousand goals. Now, I don't think he's had a thousand goals, but in his career, his playing career, playing from Va- uh, from Vasco basically up to Miami and. What a brilliant um, time he had at uh, Adelaide United as well on loan, scoring a goal. But scored officially 309 goals from 448 games. World Cup winner, um, winner in 94, winner of Confederations Cup, uh, Copa America. So the guy could play football, but football wasn't his number one love. I think it was the uh, might have been the ladies, mate. Any, any thoughts, uh, anything about Romario that came to mind? I've put you on the spot there. Oh, we, well, for me, uh, USA um, World Cup comes to mind and that great team that he was a part of and his speed, his ability to um, you know, run down channels, get into space and finish. Like, you know, you, you, you put a price in football on guys who can actually finish. He was one of the all-time greats. Him and Beto up front of that team. It was just an unbelievable and, team, yeah. Yeah, and, and amongst others, Edmundo was hanging around at the time. Um, You have to put a few... You have to put a few skins on the wall to get in front of um, Edmundo into that book, wouldn't you? Well, this is only the start of the book, so you know that was the first <laughs> one that I, I came across, and I didn't know what I was actually going to be getting into there. But uh, interesting little read about him. It talks about his football as well, and later on in his career, where he refused to even move on the pitch unless the ball was placed straight at his feet. Um, the fact he never rocked up for training, and you know, not even uh, Johan, Johan Cruyff. No, no one could control this guy. He rocked up when he wanted to rock up. And um, there is a, an excerpt from another book where he basically brings his wallet to training, hands over all the money in it to, uh, uh, for a fine that he's meant to have paid for not training, and says, I'll be back on Friday. 
He was at Barcelona with um, Stoichkov and Hadji, and you talk about, you know, and all the great Spanish players at that time, talk about, you know, managers having to bring together personalities. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah. That, that, that must have been insane there. And who's your, you, know, you had Guardiola. Um, yeah, but he did a great job. Well, you had Waldrop, you had Komen, you had all those guys and that. That actually, to me, is the original and probably the, one of the greatest teams ever. And, you know, played for PSV Eindhoven before that and um, was basically allowed to do whatever he wanted. Um, didn't want to go to training, he didn't train. Barcelona, pretty much similar. And yet still an absolute champion. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to talk about his uh, female conquests, but, you know, apparently he has a thousand goals, but they've counted goals from his junior career and friendlies and all that kind of stuff as well. But well, what's the point of that? I don't understand what the point of that even is. Um, like, no. you either got a thousand goals or you don't. I mean, they don't have to pump up. You don't need to pump up the tyres and stats of some of these guys. Like, you know, your stats speak for themselves. Like, Alan Shearer's goal-scoring stats are still unbelievable in the Premier League. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and and what makes it so outstanding when you see Shearer's stats is when you see the guys who are second, third and fourth, but it's daylight between them and him. Oh, exactly right. I mean, FIFA's um, officially said that he's got 929 goals, which is still unbelievable. That's including youth games and, and so forth as well. Um, but he has a statue out the front of uh, Vasco da Gama. So a fair few players have, have come through that stadium, as Stadio San Juan. So did he score 650 goals for them? <laughs> Probably. But so in, in, in all fairness, though, still an amazing career. And you'll have to read like some Messi, stories. How many goals is Messi up to now? Uh, probably 4,000 if we're going back to his youth career. Um, he's probably been scoring them since before he was born. When was youth football ever counted as a stat? Should never have been. But FIFA actually did officially say that uh, Romario has 929 goals. So well, they're just counting to him, aren't they? Yeah. And it's, it's exactly it's, what he got for his whole career, according to what you're saying. Well, I'm going... What Romario wants Romario goods. I'm going to go 309 goals from 448 games, because that's the official... Let's go with that. Well, unbelievable. That's 66% strike rate. 66% of games he's going to score. Um, you'll take him every day of the week. If he doesn't want to train, but he scores, I don't care. Yeah, he's mate. a great player. So, in saying that, thanks for Mario. And he's now a senator, believe it or not, in, in Brazil. Who else? Uh, he's the senator for Rio de Janeiro. Oh, mate, I haven't even got into it yet. So, uh, we might cover that off in the next few weeks. Um, I have. Yeah, I'm not even. I think we got. Here we go. From Maradona, George Best, Romario, Edgar Davids. Yeah, he's covered them all, mate. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll come back and uh, follow up at next week or two with a couple others in there. But um, good on you, Monica, for um, putting, the, putting the lighter on and discovering him with another lady. Well done, young lady. She's now divorced him, which is a smart move as well. Hope she took him for everything. There was a cool had. story about um, um, Claudio Canizia, the great uh, Argentinian uh, striker, uh, just before his, he was supposed to play in his final World Cup. And um, yep, Passarella yep. told him he had to cut his hair. I was reading this in conjunction with some research we were doing a couple of weeks ago um, about music, and I was looking at some of the metalheads. But he he refused to to cut his hair, so he said, "I'd rather miss the World Cup and cut my hair for you, Passarella." I didn't go. Oh, I love yeah. it! Oh my god, that is. I mean, yeah, that is absolutely. The South Americans stump up it. big personalities, man. Well, good, and that's what makes them the flair and everything that they have is not contrived. It's part of their soul, yeah. isn't it? And and, and I absolutely love that. Uh, so there, there you go. Read up uh, sex, drugs, and soccer. 
Martin Bax, he's a really renowned, um, or Bax, he's a really renowned journalist. So might be worth having a bit of a read there. And he has a few disclaimers about why he hasn't included some people. So definitely worth um, seeing a bit of a different side of football cool. there. Just putting a break right there for a second. Just give it a couple of seconds. It's just easier to edit. And we'll come on to the... Um, yeah, here we go, mate. I'm just going to talk... We're going to talk a bit of Prem. I'll go through the results first, some of the results first, and then uh, we'll have a chat about it. Sure. So another uh, another week of the um, Premier League's gone by and absolute... We can use the word plethora, a plethora of goals. Um, started off on early Saturday evening, Everton 5-2 over West Brom. Um, scoreline probably flattered Everton to an extent, but uh, seven goals there. Followed up by seven goals uh, the next morning, Leeds versus Fulham. Leeds scored seven um, in two games and had seven conceded. So they're going to be an interesting one. One of the results of the weekend, and we'll come back to this one, Crystal Palace 3-1 over United, and a tiny bit of controversy there. Arsenal 2-1 over West Ham, but far from convincing there. Tottenham thrashed Southampton at 5-2. Um, don't want to go on about this one too much, but I was actually in a bit of shock because after the first week, I, I talked your boys up and, and Brighton 3-0 away. Liverpool beat Chelsea after a red card there and, and pulled away late in that game. And I thought Chelsea had to go defensive. Uh, Leicester 4-2. Villa beat United 1-0 in a uh, rather scrappy game. Another red card there. And then Man City did what they had to wait against uh, Wolves and they won 3-1. So uh, unbelievable amount of goals scored over the weekend. Is there... Anything to read into that, or we're looking at second week and you can't read into a massive Well, a couple of goals. things I said to Sean, who's not with us again tonight, and I do hope that he's well, um, that watching Leeds this year so far has reminded me of in attack of Brazil in 1970, the great Brazilian team, and yep. in defence has reminded me of Brazil in 2014 with David Luiz <laughs> at the back because they are, um, they are a civet, they're a turnstile at the back, and they are dynamite to watch going forward. So it makes for fun games. Oh, look, both games have been sensational. And uh, look, good for Everton fans. Off to a great start for the season and uh, their record signing scoring. Um, United, um, very lacklustre. But I'm not sure if you saw any of this game, but there was a penalty um, that was given, which was, you know, hand in an unnatural position, which was you know, the first bit of contention there against yeah. United. And then, I'm not sure if you saw the penalty save. I thought it was a fabulous penalty save. Two minutes later, while the play's on, VAR's decided that he's come off his line. I'm not joking. Over two minutes it took. So the penalty was retaken two minutes later um, and basically put uh, Crystal Palace on their way. But they were value for that win. But that was one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. Uh, in I, I don't want to get into that whole minutiae of um, video videos being being used to do just about anything we can to stop a goal from being scored. I mean, I yeah. can't stand that, and uh, I'll let you explain it because you did a great job. It's it's beyond ridiculous to let the play go on and then bring it back. And it really did remind me of that first ever goal in the World Cup from a penalty from VAR that went against Australia because that that call came well after the play had moved on. Now, unless they're going to do it straight away, um, you know, this. I mean, when's it a reasonable time to come back and do Hey, if they make a mistake halfway during the game, can they come back after and say, well, actually, that wasn't a goal, so the score's 1-0? 
It's a really good point. And my understanding, and I must be very wrong with this, because I don't study, you know, the as you said, the minutiae of VAR, but it really was brought in for me to stop the howlers. Well, it's not doing that. And now it's, no. And, and, and even some of the offsides that they're calling, I mean, seriously, it's like an inch. And that's against the spirit. Offside was to stop people basically going forward and cheating, you know, putting everyone up forward um, ahead ahead of the defenders. That was the spirit of the game. And for it to be a millimetre, and, and literally, I'm, you know I'm not a Man United fan by any stretch, but they had to have feel, felt hard done by. That was, that was some horrendous decisions no, there. Um, man, like, I mean, if, if there's a mistake made during the game or they miss something, you know, what's the, what's the sunset clause on when they can go back and change it? Because, um, you know, for me, that two minutes is far too long. I think unless it's instant, I, I think that if there's some kind of controversy, that, you know, at least the referee's got to send upstairs for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not exaggerating the two-minute mark either. It, we, it was that long. I think it was over two minutes. Um, so I was in shock when that happened. Uh Really excited to see where Leicester's going again. You know, a team that has, you know, if we want to talk money, has no right to continue to contend for European places. It looks like they're going to do it again, even this early on. Um, I'm very happy, as I said, with Villa getting a 1-0 win. And it, it goes to show how weird supporters are because there has been so many Villa supporters say how terrible the performance was. And yes, Sheffield United went down a man for a long period in the game, but we scored a winning goal and we got three points. Mm. We've spoken about this so often. Do you really care in the end, at the end of the season, if you've stayed up, do you really care sometimes how it was done? Um, I'm telling you, I'm not going to give a point back or three points back to to Sheffield United. I just I don't know what you can do with fans these days. You know, we, we should have been relegated last year. We've got off to a good start this year. We've got some more signings coming through. Be excited. Enjoy the process. Um, just annoys me with football fans these days. And it's part of what social media is doing, where people can just say whatever the hell they want. It is true. And you don't yeah, want to get it's... too much into, um, you know, sagging people off. But, like, at the end of the day, people's expectations are so usually totally unrealistic. I mean, my... My expectations as a Newcastle fan is that I hope that we survive. I hope that we play some decent football at some point during the year, and I'd love to see us have a cup run. Until such time as our ownership changes, that's what I've got to look forward to. And you know what? Part of me doesn't mind. I don't really care. Like I, I do care, but I just care about the outcome. I want the club to be functional, you know? And, yeah. and, and yep. for any old team... I understand that Manchester United fans are used to something much greater than that. That's fine. You know, but look, at the end of the day, I mean, for most everyone else, you, you can't win every week and be Barcelona. It just doesn't happen. No, no. I mean, we're looking at even this early in the season. You'd have to say the way West Brom are playing, they're, they're going to be in big, big trouble. Um, I, I'm not going to make any other calls other than that. I think up at the top of the table, it's really good to see Wester and Everton um, Crystal Palace, um, they've got some strike power up forward. They are fun to watch. So, you know, the, the Premier League's in a really, really good position. Um, there's not going to be too many teams going to be easy beats. And you can't say that about many comps around the world. Oh, no, it's a lot years in front of some of the other some of the other clubs for having, like, relevant teams. I think everyone's relevant relative down to, 
you know, maybe 17, 18. There's, sure, there's a, there's a divide at the top, but like you said, it's become a fair bit more opaque in the last couple of years. I can't think of any competition at all that that is this competitive. They, in, I don't know what what do you put it down to? Like when you look at the when you look at um, Scotland or you look at um, the Italian leagues now and Spain and so forth, what do you put it down to? I can't really put a finger on why the Premier League and Championship are so competitive. I think it's the way that they play, man. Like it has to come down to that old fashioned style of thing about you know we're just going to run until we're basically dead on the pitch and and people say that's not beautiful to watch but what it does do it gives the teams at the other end of the table a punch's chance every single week it says if we're physically fit and um, we can knock the ball up into the front areas snatch a goal and we can be big and strong and physical at the back with a good goalkeeper we can beat anyone and I think everyone's got that mentality until such a time as you disappear down the tube like you know you're 20th with three games to go and you're behind by 15 points you know everyone's got that mentality you just don't see that in 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 the other competitions i mean do you ever think of sociedad being like that when they go to the bernabeu i don't think so and who watches those games because who cares i mean i i suppose you're 100 right i think i think there is a chance um for the Bundesliga to be really competitive again. Obviously, Dortmund, um, you know, look like they've got a, a strong team again. You've got the Red Bull team, let's just call them that. Um, you've got Hertha Berlin. You've got a few teams here. So the German, uh, the Bundesliga is getting better again in that regards. And I do enjoy watching that that style of well, football. Well, if you think about it, they, they, they are based around those kind of similar qualities. Which is why so many supporters follow both competitions. Mm, I like the Bundesliga. And, and they're drifting... Same here, and, and and you're finding a lot of people drifting away from obviously Serie A and uh, and La Liga because of that lack of competitiveness. And um, you know, I'm sorry to be on a on a rant again about this, and I don't want to be a, a, a basher because I've got this person's shirt on many occasions. I I don't think we should talk about Messi again unless he scores six goals in a Champions League game or something. Let's let's leave Messi out for a few months. What do you think? Doesn't La Liga funnel like eighty percent of its money to the um? To the big two clubs, anyway. To the top two, I think it's actually. Well, we know well, as, as um, a sailor, yeah, what's really the point close. of being anyone else? That's what I'd love to see. Old, um, what's his name? The Argentinian coach at uh, Atletico. I'd love to see him, you know, actually win everything. Just because. Yeah, how good would that be? It's just awesome to see a guy because he does take that. So I'm going to walk into your face and I'm just going to sit here until, you know, you move rather than the other way around. Well, let's just hope that Serie A gets back to that, that, that kind of place where we've got the Napoli's, Milan's, Juve's, uh, Fiorentina's, Atalanta's, Lazio's, Inter, uh, Udinese. Let's, let's hope it gets back to that point because the Italian league has the ability to do that. And I think it's just what you said, that the Italian league doesn't funnel all its money into the top teams, whereas the TV deal that Real Madrid and Barca did and Athletic, unfortunately, didn't get in at that point in time... It was just just ridiculous. They held the TV rights in the league to ransom, and that should never be allowed to happen. So let's just hope some of those other comps get back to that. And I think Serie A has the ability to do that. Yeah, that'll be. Good. 
Now, a little bit of uh, controversy again this week, and, and it's, you know, you can blame the manufacturer if you choose to, and in no way are we specifically blaming the manufacturer. I know where you're going. I do blame Or them. you can blame. You can't. You, okay, say what you, you're going to say, and then I'm going to have my say. I'm actually really looking forward to hearing what you're going to say, actually. But doesn't the governing body also have the right, before something is released, and I'm going to let you talk about it, doesn't the governing body, before it's released, have the ability to say, so where are these kits at and what's going on before we release it out to the public? Does that not, do they, does the governing body not have some say in this as well? Well, of course they do. And, 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 and I'll hold back some fire for them in a minute, but with regards to the manufacturer, I mean, do you want to clarify what we're talking about? Because and, I'd love you. Yeah, I want you to, mate. That'd be well, great. basically what's happened is the um, um, the Australian Soccer Federation, what do we call them these days? Football Australia? Uh, Football yeah, Federation um, Australia, yeah. ASF. They have <laughs> released the Matildas new kit for the World Cup, yeah? Yeah, so it's a release of the... Uh, based on yeah. the, the home kit is diabolical. Like I said to you, it looks like a Lawn Bowls weekend kit. Um, yeah. And it's yellow, and then the, 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 away, the away jersey's nice. But they haven't got any of the away jersey, which will be a far bigger seller because it looks way more like something, you know, maybe a, a young lady would want to wear to training or to the gym or out to the beach or something, or even for a drink somewhere, like, you know, like the way that we do it. And... um. Yep. They don't put them out in women's sizes and shapes. Now, the, the God's honest truth of this is I just I, – I, I laughed when I saw it. I thought, one, well, it's completely stupid. It's the, it's the height of – the height of hypocrisy that this organisation that spreads wokeness on top of wokeness about every issue can be so – disorganised, that it can't have a women's size for a women's team in a country like Australia until two years from today. Why are they even releasing it? What? Yeah, I mean, what, is, what the hell? What, it's, just, it's just garbage. You've pretty much encapsulated um, the feelings of, you know, males and females around the country. And it's the one great thing... That, that football really does is that in this country, men who follow football also follow the women's game and support the women's game. And, you know, we've gone to W League games and we absolutely love it. And we've got a friend's daughter who's a very good Matilda yeah. as well. Um, and you've just encapsulated in a really smooth way the actual anger and, and feistiness that was going around for days. It has been announced by Football Federation Australia. They've done a, an agreement with... Um, Nike that is going to be brought out far earlier in the in the coming months. They've got celebrities. Why couldn't be the coming they've weeks? Got athletes and celebrities every day on social media and in mainstream media, and on every platform you could possibly imagine, lecturing to everybody about every single issue on the planet, right? Uh, and talking about all kinds of and it's most basic thing, a women's shaped jersey. They couldn't do it. It's. Yeah, it's beyond belief. And look, the anger is absolutely, uh, it's right. It's not righteous, it's right. And it's embarrassing. And I do i do put it down to FFA should have just put the brakes on and said, hey, hey, until you've got the women's kit, don't release our men's one. Um, so it comes down to both in my mind. 
that it's the ineptness and sport across the board has lost so many good administrators. Um, I think COVID's been an excuse for some sports to cut a lot of the fat and they've cut some really good people out. So you've got a lot of inexperienced people leading a lot of these things as well. Not an excuse. It's just the truth. And and if they look at the signposts as to how not to do it, I mean, it's only a couple of weeks since in Ireland, um, I don't know if you saw any of this, but the Irish um, Rugby Union, um, they released the men's and women's jerseys uh, made by mm. Canterbury and New Zealand Company, a big, big jersey business maker. They did the modelling yeah. campaign for that with three current English men's rugby players and then chose three female models instead of the three instead of three um, Irish women rugby players to model the jersey with them for the women. Yeah, I saw that and as well. Like, how can you be so stupid? And it is the one good thing <laughs> of the campaign that it did have um, current players, current female players wearing the Matildas jerseys and so forth. That was the one tick I'll give them. And I totally agree with you. And I actually said it um, to my partner. Oh, thank God they use players and not models. And I hadn't heard about that Irish thing with uh, Canterbury. So thank you for bringing that, that to my attention. Because I actually said, I said, thank God they didn't use models. How was that um, yellow jersey, so, man? Uh, I actually, uh, I, I went and had a look at the jerseys at, um, I won't say the name of the sporting place, we're not sponsored by anyone, but I went to a sporting kind of warehouse that's big around yeah. Queensland and had had a look at both of them. They're actually both pretty bad. Um, I've never been a fan of that manufacturer in terms of uh, football jerseys, and we've spoken about that before. But even the away one, which I thought looked really good, uh, up close, mate, looks pretty awesome. It looks like it's designed by it's a not... two-year-old, and... Just that collar, that collar and that button. It's like the home jersey. I'm not oh even talking about. Oh my god, it's horrendous! I'm honestly embarrassed by it. I am gonna, it, you know, you ha- I have to support the Matildas and, and so forth. So I'll probably buy the uh, the away jersey. And I've always been a fan of alternative kind of jerseys, and I, I don't understand why Australia doesn't go green and gold. You know, I understand the blue and the green and everything looks really good. But the I don't know why we don't go green and gold. The the gold colour that we have already looks like Brazil and Sweden anyway. Um, and it just doesn't – I don't know. Nike cannot do a good jersey for, uh, for a national team. Oh, look, mind. I mean, I think 2006 and 2010 jerseys look pretty good. And and I think there's a memory associated with them that I like. But, yeah. but um, you know, in, in recent times, I mean, they've gone with the, the – the, and I haven't bought one for a while, but – and I'm a jersey collector. Um, just like and, you, you are, and yep. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't part of my money for them. But, they, but they're so flimsily put together as well. And mm. that's what I was going to say. For the lack of um, us getting sued by a manufacturer, because um, I don't, we can't lose our homes, buddy. Um, what they appear to me, what they appear to look like, and it is my judgment. I know I'm getting really technical here, but it's my judgment. They just don't look good. They just they don't look well made, they don't look good, they look cheap. They actually look like ripoffs of what the original should be. Totally agree with you. That's a bad thing. And 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 I don't know I don't know too many people who go, Wow, I'm really excited when Nike becomes the or Puma becomes the manufacturer for your team's jerseys. No, look, I you know, I, I won't go on about my favourite brands and we'll we'll do that in another episode. But uh look we've got still got talk about a second tier in Australia as well, uh, really ramped up in the last few days. And 
I love the idea and I love the concept and you've spoken about it in previous episodes that we're in Australia, Australia is geared up towards finals. We can't even get a, a first division correct. How in the hell are we going to support a second division? Oh, just, is, do you, do you think people are looking for um, newsprint? I, I think the other thing oh, is too, much- and, and we don't really talk about it very much, but people who know know that the States have got a lot of power when it comes to the football. And and yeah. how much of that are they going to give up and say, well, should we have, you know, three teams from from grab five teams from Sydney, six from Melbourne, and one more from Queensland? I mean, that's what it's going to turn out like. Well, they've um, recently unveiled uh, the latest plans for the NRL. Now, um, Brisbane Bombers were one of the, um, which I can't believe they would put a name Bombers when there's already a national team that way. But uh, Brisbane Bombers were the front runner for another NRL team. Redcliffe's put their bid in, and people are saying that they've jumped the queue. And one of the main reasons they have is going to actually really support the A League. Redcliffe Stadium's put another couple thousand seats mm. in. And it's starting to look like a really sensational, and it already is, it's starting to look like a sensational suburban ground. does have some transport issues there, but you're going to get twelve to 13,000 rabid supporters on top of uh, the teams. Like, you literally are on top of the teams. And so if um, Brisbane Raw are able to eventually move there, it might put some people off from down south, but it's going to give them that suburban... Um, feel that that you know Adelaide, um, sorry Adelaide Stadium gives um, that the smaller stadiums give, like Newcastle's. All right, I, I hope it comes into fruition. The Queenslander, mate, that if they put them at Redcliffe, they may as well be at Cairns for a lot of people in South East Queensland. Yeah. Man, come on! I mean, and I do, I do, agree and with especially you. if there's only going to be, it's like, oh, let's go to Allen Border Field and watch the cricket. I'm into yeah. small stadiums, but it can't get. That's just too far away. I I hear what you're saying, but I'm talking more short term at the moment to shore things up. So you've been there when there's been ten thousand raw fans at SunCorp, and it's a, it's a still a really good stadium, but it's a fifty one thousand seat stadium. Um, so it makes the raw look like they've got no supporters, right? So what is the other thing they could do? Get rid of the top stand and just make everyone sit down below. That's a good thing. Or they play their bigger games at Suncorp and they play the smaller games at um, Redcliffe. But this is where the Commonwealth, or not Commonwealth Games, where the Olympics in a decade, when we won't even be able to see the games because we'll be too old, um, will really work because a smaller size stadium is going to be built. I'm all for smaller size stadiums, but if if if, if the Raw is going to be like a, a Queensland team, yeah. Not a second Queensland team, but the Queensland team. You can't put them at Redcliffe, man. So do they play some games at Redcliffe, some games at Brisbane Strikers, some games here you and don't there? Have a, and a, a band of gypsies either. I don't have the solution, no. but I'm just saying that from, you know, out of mind is out of sight too. Uh, and you know there's a lot of people who um, follow um, the rule from the Gold Coast and from Ipswich, and from Logan yeah. and from all around Brisbane. Yeah. I mean... You know, you want to be going to, at the very, the worst is, at worst, going to Brisbane, somewhere in Brisbane. I'm sure it is. Redcliffe, sorry, mate. It is a standalone city. Well, it's called, 
it's I mean the city of Redcliffe, but it's part of the Morton Bay Shire. So and it, it is. So, but I mean, yeah, you, you're, you're probably right there. I just want to see a solution for the raw where they either get a good deal where they can make money at Suncorp or something happens, you know, further down south. I have no qualms. And I hear what you're saying, because if you're coming, for example, from uh, the Gold Coast, you're walking at almost two hours um, when, you know, or over two hours to get there. So that's a hard thing. Ipswich is also looking at um, their stadiums being built in the next few years as well. So you've got potential to have, you know, I don't know if they could have some games at Ipswich, some at Suncorp and Redcliffe. I think that is going to happen. Ipswich, well, you know what, well, Ipswich would be better for everyone than Redcliffe because at least people from Redcliffe can get to Ipswich a whole lot easier than anyone from anywhere else other than Brisbane can get to Redcliffe. Yeah, I really like that idea as well because you've got the Gold Coast to Ipswich is not that far away, especially if you're in northern Gold Coast. Brisbane, really nice and easy to get a train to Ipswich. Uh, and you're right, Ian, and Redcliffe Line. Well, the Royal uh, Richlands and that's in Ipswich. Yeah, yeah there we go. That. So, okay, well, we've solved it for uh, the Raw, so we'll take our consultancy fee there as well. What football are you looking forward to coming up over the next uh, week or so there? Is there anything that's um, – we've got some Champions League qualification. Uh, our teams aren't going to be anywhere near that, so <laughs> – Anything else that's kind of struck your fancy there? I may be getting up to watch the Champions League qualifiers, man. Um, no. Obviously, there was, um, you know, some issues with the Magpies this week. I think we read a bit of our own press. Hopefully, we get back on the bandwagon. I'm going to look at Arsenal again because, you know, they're an interesting watch. I watched them um, last week. And I'll tell you what they do do is they've got a, a great propensity to score goals. They seem to be um, have enough guys up front. The second goal they scored at the weekend was magic, and um, oh, it was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, that, that I'm was gorgeous. To, I'm watching them again, and uh, yeah, but I'll just take it as it comes because with the new format, the way the Premier League set up on the weekend, um, the games just keep coming. In by target, Mims got a flick, and Consa scored. So you can much, well, you can tune in and out all night for, you know, you can fall asleep and wake up and there's something else going on. It's pretty cool. I like it. Well, let's do this, mate. And uh, um, I will go and record this throughout the season, okay? So I'm putting you right on the spot right, right. now. We're going to go through the weekend's fixtures. 
Um, we'll have a really quick talk about it and wrap up the show. Brighton take on United at 9.30 um, on Saturday night. Uh, and huge game for United because if they don't get three points out of this, the pressure already builds even two games in for them. Uh, I don't think Brighton will beat them. I think Brighton played well against us, but there's too much riding for Man U. I'll take them to win that uh, 2-0. Uh, I'll take United 2-1. Well, great goal to Brighton. All, um, so we're going to... I will go back and listen and we'll do our points tally at the end of the season. Now, this is a game I'm looking forward to. This has goals written all over it, mate. Crystal Palace versus Everton. Um, it's a, it's a London. Yeah. Um, well, like you say, Crystal Palace are playing. They've they looked pretty tidy up front. And, uh, and Everton's obviously challenging and contending. So having said that, I think that Everton's going to challenge and contend for two weeks. And we'll know that they're not after Crystal Palace beat them 3-1. Huh, I'm going the same. Actually, I'm going to go 3-2. Uh, Crystal Palace over Everton, 3-2. Um, West Brom take on Chelsea in a little interesting game here. I tipped Chelsea to... Uh, stupidly tipped Chelsea to win the league this year. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, but West Brom take on Chelsea at the Hawthorns. So, your thoughts there? It's a great ground. Traditional old ground. Beautiful um, ground. Absolutely. And, uh, one of the great teams of uh, Birmingham, aren't they? West Brom. Yeah, one of one of the lesser teams, but yeah, you know they're up. Good there. jersey. Um, oh, look, I've got no idea what's <laughs> going to happen this game. I think um, West Brom's going to um, tank the season out, starting pretty soon. So there you go. Who are they playing? So uh, oh, Chelsea. <laughs> uh, Chelsea's still probably cheering that they got rid of David Luiz, so they'll use that as a way to keep cheering and probably. Uh, Get uh, get a win at the Hawthorns. I'm going to go one on the uh, draw. I was going to just say it's one. going to be a frustrating game. Yeah, I just think uh, West Brom's going to sit deep and and frustrate Chelsea. They you know got so many new signings. They they're not. It doesn't matter how much you're training. It's the gameplay that's going to get you there. So I think they're going to be frustrated. One all draw there. Um, we at, had uh, but... West Brom before he went to Chelsea, wasn't it? Yes, all he right. Was. So he's returning there, and I'm sure that they'll all be cheering. Well, there's no one there to cheer him, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Uh, Burnley taking on Southampton. I'm going to go a uh, 2-0 Southampton win. Is it at St. Saint Mary's? No, it's at a beautifully named ground, Turfmore. Oh, it's up in Burnley. I'm trying, I'm getting mixed up. I've seen what's so much American sport where the second team yeah, yeah, comes yeah, first and the, the first uh, comes last. Old Turfmore, I'll take Burnley actually, at home. At Burnley at home. I actually had to, um, you got to give us a scoreline there as well, please. Oh, Burnley, 1-0. Uh, one nil. Um, I was actually explaining that to my kids about uh, how America does everything differently. So the uh, steering wheel on the other side and the um, home team is the second team. I was explaining a lot of those things. And uh, they're like, why? And I'm like, what's the spite England? So, um, and we'll I believe that. it's, uh, yeah. it's the most common jersey in the <clears throat> Premier League this year, isn't it? The, the claret and blue. All three of them are back. They're all back. They're all back. And uh, what a beautiful, what beautiful colours they are combined. Really interesting game, this one. The Battle of the Uniteds. Uh, Sheffield taking on Leeds at Bramall Lane. Oh, um, I tell you what, that, it's always tasty, hey? That's one that that rivalry's been on and on and on over and over again, hey? I know that Sean's a big fan of Sheffield United. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Um, Leeds are going to continue their great start to the season uh, and they're going to win 3-1. You've not got enough stones to put them on at 4-3? 
<laughs> no, mate, I'm not staying it up enough. I'm gonna, you're going to go 4 3. You know, oh, I know. You know how you get picks and troughs. I mean, honestly, you can sort of find a way of this being one of those crazy games because they do hate each other. And thinking about yep. what's the chances of, of Sheffield United saying, I tell you what, we're going to really play open here and let Leeds just run at us the whole night. I think it's, um, I think it's going to be a pretty nasty game. I, I, I think it might just be a sneak out 1 0. And I think mainly because Sheffield United is, uh, you know, got such strong Middle Eastern ownership. I'll take them 1-0. Wow, loving it, loving it. Tottenham taking on your boys at uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. God, um, you know, it's funny how late, how it gets late real early, isn't it? And you you go from a great start and you're, you're playing in the, what do they call it? The League Cup, the Carabao Cup and all that. And you're, you're winning here <laughs> and there and... And everything's looking good. And then you take one bad loss and suddenly you're taking on water. You look like Titanic. Then you've got a trip to Tottenham who seem to have as many issues as we do. Um, but have just uh, re-signed Gareth Bale, which will give him a huge uh, boost there as well. Yeah, no, that's terrible news. Um, uh, it's a tough one, this one. is a really tough one. I think I've had four different versions in my head. Already. Well, one thing is, I, you know... I. It's funny. I, I I trust Steve Bruce to put together a a good um a good game day package. He seems to be quite good at getting something out of this group of players in a in in a yeah, tight spot. Like when when we're coasting, um, we play like SHIT. But um, you know, say okay, so they put the queue in the rack real early after stringing together one good performance. Um, but I think that when the heat goes on, a little bit like when we came out of COVID and they had that big win. I'm thinking yeah. that we might just bounce back this week and hopefully we'll um I'm never gonna tip against us, so I'll tip a stake at the points. Uh one nil. Oh, one nil. I'm gonna go two all and a lot of chances in the game. I think it'll um be really open. There's a lot of pace up both ends of the field, so I'm gonna go two there. Now, Tottenham had a player last week. Did he score did Song score four? I could be I think he was on there, Song. I think he scored four yeah. goals. He was definitely on song. I think he scored four goals and one either side of half time uh, really helped settle their nerves. So if he's on song, they go on and win. Um, as you said, these games just keep floating around and, and, and it keeps going into uh, Monday and Tuesday. So we have an absolute belter of a game on uh, Monday morning. Uh, and it's, that's Man City versus Leicester at Etihad Stadium. I love what Brendan Rodgers has done at Leicester. Um... I don't love what the manager's done at Man City over a long period of time. So I'll take Man City to win uh, 2-1. I'm going to go the opposite, and it's going to be a Vardy party, and Leicester are going to upset City in a huge, huge upset there, 2-1. So I'm going to Where's the pressure going, Pep? Um, well, if they don't win their first few games and they fall three to six points behind City, uh, sorry, Liverpool, it's on straight away. Mm. It, the pressure could be on in the next two weeks if they don't get results. They, they, they fall behind three or four points early on in the season. I say the pressure's on as early as it's ever been. Mm. I can see. And that's the tyranny of being such an outright, you know, out-and-out out massive spending club, isn't it? You, if you live by the sword, you die by it. And if you're going to model yourself on Barcelona or Real Madrid, well, they don't keep anyone if you're not winning. Hundred percent, and and that's why I think the pressure will be on them. Leicester are playing good footy, so they're already confident. I could see an upset there, two-one, and and as I said, you know, Leicester at the moment, Vardy could score um, in a brothel with only five-dollar notes. 
uh, or you know a couple of euros. So I, I'm just tipping it up. So uh-huh. um, a game that has massive ramifications for the loser is uh, West Ham and Wolves on uh, Monday morning, the late kickoff. Uh, at London State, London Stadium there. So I don't know what to do in this one. West Ham are up and down. They, they very much are. And I think that's going to be their season. West Ham are up and down and there's a lot of money being spent there and especially up front. And, you know, they were a different team at the weekend against... They played Arsenal, didn't they? And and yeah. uh, and they got beat there. Um, and they certainly played a lot. They played I, thought they put, I thought they played pretty well. Yeah, a lot better they against us, well. but they... Um, you know that's that's not looking good. Um, Wolves are a team of fighters with a with a hard nosed coach. Uh, you, you know, be interesting to see how West Ham cope with looking. You know, they're going to be looking at zero and three pretty soon if they don't get it together. So that's not a good place to be. I'll tip the Wolves. Yeah, I'm going to go one all draw, but heaps of chances again. I think it's going to be one of those games. I'm just going to go. You one tip all. a lot of draws, man. Um, I do, I do, I do. Um, Fulham, Fulham take on Aston Villa on Tuesday morning. Um, Villa have their new keeper from Arsenal, Martinez, who saved the penalty for us, a really good save. Um, I have to do it. It's early in the season. I have to be confident. And I think Villa's going to beat Fulham 2-0 and they're going to be on the road to safety. Oh, Mitrovic is pretty dangerous, man. I tell you what, he scored a great header against Leeds. Oh yes, um, he's such a, good, very yeah, good I, I, I do like him a lot, and um, and uh, he's a very dangerous player, and he's the kind of guy who can expose a little bit of a soft underbelly there, Villa's defence. And let's go. Uh, I'll take Fulham to win three-one, uh, and Mitra to get a hat trick. Well, big big call. I hope, I do hope you're wrong on that one. Um, and to round out the uh, round. What a game this is as well. Liverpool taking on Arsenal. You'd have to say plenty of goals in this one. Um, uh, 3-1 Liverpool over Arsenal at Anfield. It's hard to... Only an idiot would tip against Liverpool. I want to. And I said, I've laid my cards on the table and said I, I quite like Arsenal this year. Um, if they can get a result at, um, you know, at Anfield, well, they're definitely going to be worth it. And you, it, they're certainly not going to get given anything. Um, so I'm going to go with a, a one-all draw. Well, one-all draw would be good for the competition because um, you can see early on, you could see if Liverpool uh, get a couple more results and some of the teams that were expected to challenge don't. It starts to put a bit of fear through the competition, don't you think? Yeah, well, dude, I, I mean, what about a guy like Aubameyang putting his hand up at a real big spot and scoring? Well... He's he's just he's worth watching. You know, um, it's the same in any sport. There's 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 always not always, but there's quite often a player from an opposition team that even if you don't like the team, you'll like watching that yeah. player. And he he's a footballer to me. I, I love watching him. I, w- I wouldn't care who he played for. To and if ask. you can't get up for this game, you are not going to get up for any game. So hopefully Arsenal bring a little bit. And I'd like to see someone challenge in Liverpool. Well, I think Arsenal need to show some balls, and that you know they've had uh, the talent um, for a number of years, and people have said they haven't spent as much and they haven't got the talent. My goodness, they do have talent. You can imagine if um, if our teams had half the talent that Arsenal's got right now, we'd be pretty bloody. Yeah, safe. I wish we were loaded up like them for nothing. They need to show a bit of bottle. Um, I, I think that's everyone's kind of. Um, thing about Arsenal is yes they can play some beautiful football can they actually show a bit of grit 
this would be an amazing result. A, a, even a draw would be a fantastic result and give them that confidence to say, you know, we can hold a team. And they need to do that kind of thing because they just didn't hold up anyone in the top half last year at all. No, well, did they end up finishing in the top half? Were they tanked? No, they were in the they were in the top half, but they they flirted with they came down. Um, they flirted we were, with we were, we, we were tight. We we were squared up with them, so that shows you how bad they were going. Yeah, no, they they finished off okay, but um, you know, this is a game that could define their season. I know we're talking very early on, but psychologically for them, if they get hammered by Liverpool, that's going to really play on the rest of their season. Mm-hmm. I think so. I'm hoping they at least show three points now is worth exactly the same three points as it is in uh, in in February. It is, but confidence is uh, born pretty early in the yeah. season, isn't it? True. So that's our that's our wrap tonight of uh, things football, mate. Anything else that you needed to cover off there? We've covered off the uh, Matilda's jersey. We've slagged off uh, Nikki or Nike or Nike or whatever they're called again. Uh, we've talked about Romario and his uh, sex, drugs and soccer. Um, so we could always talk about him again. No, there's not too much more I want to actually read out. I could get sued for that. Uh, what else did we cover? We covered the Premier League. We've tried to solve Brisbane Roars uh, football stadium woes. Anything else to we need? No, to man. Do? I just hope that everyone's teams um, go well at the weekend, except of course if they're not playing Newcastle, in which case I don't. I just hope that uh, everyone's teams puts in a uh, full ninety minutes, whether they win, lose, or draw. They can at least say my team gave it their all. We are we only pod when we're winning. You can catch John at Lambic Peach on Twitter. You can catch me at Paul underscore football on Twitter. You can get us at We Only Pod When We're Winning on Facebook. Um, and you can generally um, cause any havoc you want. Send us some questions. We'll answer them. They might not be good answers, but we'll give it our best. John, absolute pleasure, mates. And good luck with Newcastle this weekend. Cheers, mate. Have a good one.